Welcome to the Mastering College Podcast, a guide to landing your dream job. I'm your host, Daniel Botero, and my goal is to help you take away that fear of graduating without a job and instead teach you how to land your dream job. Welcome, welcome back to this episode of the podcast. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode because this episode is going to be amazing. I have a very, very special guest for you. I have David Millay. He's the managing partner of Engagement. It is a customer experience consultant firm that focuses on sports team. David, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, my friend? What's going on, Daniel? Happy to be here. Extra caffeinated with this <laughs> coffee, uh, sitting in your beautiful home and uh, excited to be here talking with you and talking to the audience. Well, I am even more excited that you're here, that you created time out of your busy schedule. David, I know you live in Chicago, so to be able to have a couple hours of your time when you're here in Florida visiting your family, I feel extremely privileged and just privileged for the audience to get to know you a little bit better. For sure. So David, let's talk a little bit about you. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, your origin story. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Daniel, just you and I met right back in high school where we played soccer together and we uh, you know, kind of became close friends because of sports as anybody who's played sports will know. Um, that you just kind of create a bond with people through that, working towards a common goal. Um, so after high school, I ended up going to uh, Notre Dame uh, in the Midwest and uh, you know, had a great experience there and was privileged enough to go there. But I, I changed my mind as to what I wanted to do multiple times while I was at school. Um, and when I first went to school there, I thought, hey, I want to be a lawyer. And that's my goal. And what ended up happening was I did an internship for a really well-known big law firm working on some really cool cases. And I said, okay, if I'm working on these type of cool cases and I still don't want to be doing that, I got to figure something out. So I ended up changing my major and it kind of helped me go on the path I am now. And so David, you said you went to the University of Notre Dame, but when I remember you went in high school, you were the student that was awesome at sports that were, had awesome grades, and you seemed like you had it all figured out. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's cool to put on that front, right? Yeah. Um, but no, I think even, and just like you and I were talking about before the podcast, Daniel, it's, you know, you can have things figured out in high school and know exactly what you want to do, but once you start getting that real life experience, things change, right? Because you've got an image of what you want things to be and how you think things are, I thought it was going to be this awesome, glorious thing to go be a lawyer um, and maybe be a, an ambassador for a country, right, with my law degree in hand. But as soon as I got into the field, I'm like, ah, I want to probably do something else. Um, so, yeah, it was, I mean, high school was great, right? Like, yeah. I was captain of the soccer team on all these clubs and great GPA and stuff. But, again, like, once you go to a big school with a lot of other people that are highly competitive and you start getting that experience, things change. And so, David, when did you realize that you didn't want to be a lawyer anymore? Like, was it your junior year or sophomore year? It was summer after freshman year. Okay. Um, so I did an internship with Morgan & Morgan, um, actually a really unique part of the company. We were working on 
suing a major movie theater. So actually, it was like a lawyer that was working at Morgan & Morgan at the time. Um, and it was, again, awesome work, awesome people, but it wasn't, it wasn't for me. And so why didn't you change your major? You still had three years to go. Um, so as some of you, like, as some of the people that are listening and some of your, your audience might know, it's, it's not an easy thing to change your major always, right? Um, so Notre Dame, one of the things they pride themselves on is that graduation rate in four years time. Um, it's one of the highest in the country. And so when I sat down with my advisors, they were like, yeah, you definitely could change your major, but you're going to lose this financial aid and these scholarships and you're going to have to pay for all that. And do you really want to do that? And is that really what you're thinking about? Maybe you should just keep doing what you're doing. And uh, so sure enough, that's what I ended up doing. I, I ended up graduating with political science um, and Latin American studies as my majors, which I do nothing with those things now. Um, but that's okay because I think they still taught me some really translatable skills that, that end up being great for whatever I decide to do. So let's talk about the fact that you graduated with a major that is not relevant to what you do now today as your dream job. But let's talk about what you did right after college. So where did you start working? Yeah, so after I did that internship, I realized one of the things that I loved was sports and sports business. So I think there's an important differentiation there. It's one thing to love the product on the court or the field. It's another thing to be really fascinated by the business behind those scenes. Um, so my dad was in sports business for a long time and was really influential in some different aspects of that industry. And so I was really familiar with it. Um, never thought I wanted to go into that, never thought I would want to do it, but the more I started learning about it and I looked at, okay, how am I procrastinating writing this political science paper? And I was going on Sports Business Journal and reading that. And I said, okay, maybe I should take this stuff that I'm procrastinating doing work for and actually start focusing on doing that and maybe I wouldn't procrastinate doing that. Um, and sure enough, that was the case. Uh, so right after college, um, and I guess senior year, I had some different options and I thought I wanted to be an athletic director of a university was the end goal. Um, but when I, when I sat down and looked at it, I said, okay, where's the industry going based on everything I'm reading in sports business journal and these different publications and the business is changing. And it's a, a true business now. So it would make sense for me to go get some business background at a big fortune 500 company. And then I could move into that space later and bring some outside skill sets that other people don't have. So I was looking at Target, uh, 3M, a lot of Minneapolis companies for whatever reason, a lot of Midwest big Fortune 500 companies. And there was this role that opened up with Disney. And I thought, I told myself, I'll never go back to Orlando where I'm originally from. I'll never go work for Disney. Um, but this job just opened up that was so perfect where I was going to be an intern and help open up Disney Institute's sports relationships, um, which really meant Disney Institute is, is kind of the, for those of you that don't know, right, it's the external uh, consulting arm and training arm of the Walt Disney Company. So if a CEO of a company wanted to improve their customer experience, culture, or leadership, they would go work with Disney Institute and Disney would show them all the, the tips and tricks of the trade in, in those areas. And, uh, and so Disney shows the magic, right? That's in a, right. In a sense, yeah. They're selling. That's right. We would show the, yeah. the, the business behind the magic, yeah. if you will. I'm excited. So David, what I'm really interested in is the fact that 
you've made already a couple of decisions in your career where you kind of take some steps back to do two steps forward. And so that kind of even started with the fact that you, even though you stick with your major, you didn't take a job within your major and you decide to do an internship, which I'm assuming you took a major pay cut. So walk, walk the audience through that decision. <laughs> yeah. That can be hard. I mean, I, especially right out of college, you've graduated and you have some student loans and then you go and you take a, a, a really tough financial decision because you saw the potential of the future. For sure. Yeah. And I'll give, I'm happy to give specifics on that. Right. So like most of the jobs I was looking at coming out being a business analyst at a fortune 500 company, were paying somewhere in the range of 45 to 65,000 a year at the time. Um, so this Disney internship paid a grand total of a living stipend of $1,300 a month. So I don't know what that comes out to. It's like, what, $15,000, $18,000. So uh, a big time, big time pay cut. And that was before taxes. Um, keep in mind, I had student loans that I was going to have to pay and I was going to be in some trouble. And I knew I was going to have to live with my parents if I took that job because let's be honest, that's not yeah. $1,300 is barely covering rent and groceries, right? Um, so I, I took it though because someone gave me this really good advice that basically was like, hey, in your early years coming out of college, Stop focusing on the direct compensation and focus on the indirect compensation. And sure, you might not be going out to the clubs and spending all that money right away, but when you focus on that indirect compensation, you'll ultimately end up going further and being a lot happier in your life with where you want to go. And, and so I took that advice and I said, okay, let me go get this indirect compensation. And sure enough, first week on the job, I'm literally meeting with the president of the Brooklyn Nets, the president of the Orlando Magic, and the head of the Super Bowl in the first week. And I'm like, okay, I could be crunching numbers in a cubicle on a spreadsheet for 65 grand a year, or I could take this major pay cut and look at this network that I'm building. So, but I, so looking back at it, it obviously was an amazing decision, specifically because of the knowledge you're gaining for what's, what you're doing with your life now but had to have been such a tough, tough decision as a student. Like, how, what advice do you give to students? I mean, you just gave a, a really good quote, but what do you think are some actionable things that students can do to help them think through those decisions when they're graduating and they're balancing whether to take a job that pays them more but not completely fulfilling into a job that might pay them less but can, it's better aligned with their long-term goals? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think when I when I look at it, the college scene today, right? It's it's so it could be so tough, and it was really tough for me at the time too because I had all these peers that were making a lot more money, that were my best friends, that I was in class with, and maybe I had better grades than them, um, and they were getting paid a lot more than I was that first you know first three years out of college, to be honest. Um, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a buddy where a couple of years ago we were going to a, an LSU football game and he paid for all of us to go down there on the trip because he was just making so much money and he's like, hey, it's my treat. And he wasn't able to go because he had to work that weekend. I'm like, what's the point? <laughs> right? What's, what's the point of this? So I, I think if you look at what you're spending your time procrastinating on, right, that was a big point for me where I'm like, okay, if I'm not writing this paper and doing the things that allegedly are supposed to be important to me and I'm filling that time with something else, how do I go take that thing and find a way to monetize that? Right? 
Um, and so for me, it told me I needed to be in sports business. And um, ultimately, you know, I just had to make that sacrifice in myself and say the network building is something that no amount of money can give me. Um, it's just about being in the right situation. And so I chose to put myself in the right situation rather than take the short-term money. So again, you made the tough decision. And so how was your career and your experience with Disney? So what so came great. next? Yeah, it was great, right? Um, Disney, I, I believe, I mean, working in corporate Disney was all the hype that uh, people make it out to be. Um, it was an incredible company where you just learn so much. And I had the privilege because I was at Disney Institute of working with a lot of other companies where I could be having a really bad day at Disney and then I go out and work with another company. I'm like, okay, my bad day is not that bad. Um, and, and that was just the reality of it, right? It was, it was great. They taught us so many things that were going to be translatable further on, which is another reason why I was really glad I took that job in that situation is that I learned all these things that now are second nature to me that when I tell other people about them and I'm consulting them on, they're like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. I'm like, that's like breathing for me. Yeah. Like that's not a new insight. Um, so it was, it was, it was a great experience. Um, and I really learned a lot from it. So David, how long were you an intern? And then what were your next career progression when you were at Disney? And then tell the audience, what are you doing now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so loaded, loaded question there. Um, but I was an intern for about a year. Then I was a what's called a coordinator, which is like an office and technical or an hourly role. Did that for about a year, maybe a year and a half. Um, and then I got promoted again to being a, an account manager which basically is the guy that managed all the relationships with our consulting clients or our training clients. So I was kind of the direct point person with Orlando City, uh, Orlando City Soccer Club. We helped them open that new stadium. University of Kentucky, um, USA Track and Field. We're all direct clients, and so those were my relationships, and I, I made sure they were happy. Um, but at, over time, what ended up happening was... Um, I, when I got promoted from that hourly person to that salaried person, uh, there was not a ton of other people that had been in my situation at that time where I looked around at my peers and they were really all 20 years older than me. And they didn't have that experience of what it was like to lead older people or how do you go from being buddies with somebody where you guys would hang out together outside of work to now you're giving that person tasks and you're delegating stuff to them. Um, and I really struggled with trying to figure that out. Um, so when I got promoted, we created a big network of people called Disney Young Professionals and it was great. And it gave me this, this sense though of this desire to create where in my role in the day to day, it was pretty black and white by the time I left as to here's what you're selling Here's what you're doing. Here's what your day looks like. Here are the goals you have to hit. And that strategy was being dictated to me by my general manager and my directors and my leaders. Um, but in creating that Disney Young Professional group, nobody had ever done that before. It was, it was gray. And I realized I love creating and being in this gray space where I don't know if what I'm going to do is going to pay off. And there's nobody there to tell me yes or no to what directions to go in. And so I found that I just had this love for creating and I wasn't getting that at Disney in my role. Uh, I was getting it in that young professionals group, but I realized ultimately I wasn't getting paid for that. And so I wanted to make my full day to day, um, 
a, a space and a situation where I could create every minute of every day and yeah. not just on the side. And, and so that makes sense a lot because specifically when you're working with large organizations, your tasks are very, uh, very specific, right? And you're more of an expert in a field and you're not necessarily a generalist. And so when you started doing the Disney Young Professionals, you were creating, you were creating your own rules. And so now you're like, wow, I want to do this myself, right? Yeah. And so how long ago has it been that you started this company, uh, Engagement? Yeah, so I started Engagement, uh, I guess maybe a year ago now. Um, and, and it's been a wild learning curve because like Daniel said, and I think that's, that's something that a lot of young college kids don't understand is truly the difference between a startup and or going at yourself and being an entrepreneur versus working for a really big corporation is that when you go work for a really big corporation, you're going to learn so many great things about how business works, but you are going to be very specialized. And unfortunately, because you're just a smaller part of the whole organization, you might not get a full understanding of how the rest of the world or how the rest of the company even works. Um, so I think if you're, if you're starting out, one of the great things that Disney Young Professionals helped me do was it helped me see my role in the show. So I wasn't just really understanding my role. I was also understanding all the other scenes and acts and all the other characters in the bigger show. And that partially gave me that ability to go start engagement on my own. But as I've learned, there's still so many other things that I didn't understand in starting my own show, if you will. And so what is engagement all about? What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? What is the problem and the solution that you're solving out there? Yeah, so so one of the things that, that we did really well at, um, at Disney Institute was we consulted on kind of customer service. So really, what is that interaction between person A, person B? Um, what do those behaviors look like? But as I looked at a lot of the conversations I was having with clients, it was about bigger than service. It was about the whole experience. So what does my website look like when they go on it? How am I communicating or how am I communicating to them? What are the platforms? What are the vehicles when they get there? What are the, you know, when they get to the game, what are the different fan activations that are going on? What does the stadium look like? What kind of food are we serving? And I realized that a lot of these companies had these traditional ways of looking at things where I want to sell more tickets at a higher price. And that was kind of their, their mindset as opposed to saying, who is our fan? What are their aspirations in life? And how can we create more value for that person as a whole to help them reach their goals and dreams, right? And when you think about the way you approach business like that, really creating for your audience or creating, for your, creating value for your target audience, it's so different than how do I sell a widget to anybody that'll buy it right? Your business completely changes. So when we consult with sports teams, it's really all about helping them become more fan centric or more customer centric. And we do that in a number of different ways. Just depends on what that team needs. So how does a sports team create more engagement with their fans if they're having a losing season? That's a great <laughs> question. And I think we need to look no further than the Orlando magic here in town, right? So you, you look at them and, and what they've been able to do and so the Orlando Magic, right? And you're pretty familiar with them, yeah, right, Daniel? I, mean, right? I have a friend that calls them the Orlando Tragic. The Orlando Tragic, okay. fair enough. Um, 
you look at them and they have not been in the playoffs in the last, I don't know, what, six years? Since something like Dwight that. Dwight Howard, right? Since Dwight Howard oh, yeah. left. Last year was their highest attendance that they've ever had. And you look at that and you say, okay, well, how the heck is that possible? And they've just created a game. I mean, think about the last time you went to a game. How much of the game did you actually watch? I would tell you I go for stuff is my number one reason why I go to a magic okay. game. Okay, okay. Stuff enough. is amazing. And, and whenever I go, I go because my buddies are going. Yeah. And it's the place to be. Yeah. And we go and we sit up at that Budweiser bar. We don't even sit. Yeah. We stand. Yep. And, you know, we have, we have some, some adult beverages we eat some local food that they have in there, gringos. gringos yes, right. yes, yes. And, uh, and we go there, and it's a fun time, right? I probably don't, you know, I, I don't know who scored how many points. You're right. I think at the end of the night, it doesn't matter if they win or lose. I still had a good time. Completely. And, and they've done an incredible job of that. But they'll also do things on the back end, right? So if you're a season ticket holder, you might get an email if you haven't been to a couple of games that says, hey, when you're not coming to games, uh, Aaron Gordon scores this many points when you do come to games Aaron Gordon scores 10 more points per game so you should come to the next game because Aaron Gordon's going to score more when you're there and they're they've done a really good job incorporating data into what they do in their customer experience that they know you specifically and they have a personal relationship with you because of big data so those are the type of things that we we end up consulting on um, in the field wow that's amazing and so how has the experiences Let's talk about you know, three th- different experiences that you've gained through your journey that are have been the reason why you've been able to build this business. You know, some of the experiences, like for example, like graduating with a political science degree, and how did that helped you in your business now? Yeah, that's a that's a great point. So I always look at that, and people always say, "How do you, you have a political science degree? How are you doing what you do?" And I, I think ultimately, uh, what it has done. I mean, that specifically. I write really, really good emails and I do really good research because of my political science background. That's what we did. We would read, we would do a ton of research and we would write really long papers on it. So my grammar is way better and my writing is way better than most of my peers in, that do what I do. Um, and I do really good research on things, right? I never take a phone call yeah. without knowing people's, uh, you know, people's families' names and where they went to college and all that stuff because I know that that information is important and I know how to do all that research. Um, so I'd say that, that piece alone, no matter what your major is, there are components of that that are going to be translatable to really anything you want to do. What, what ends up being important and that I've been able to do is how, how do you take those skills that you do learn, no matter what your major is and how do you apply them to the thing you're passionate about to help you monetize that. And that ultimately becomes the puzzle piece that is, is tough to figure out. Um, no, no, that makes sense. So David, you know, from your story that you've shared so far today, you know, as well as from what I know you personally, one of the things that I'm extremely impressed by what you do is that you have the ability to take one step back to be able to take two step forwards. And you've made that decision multiple times, like taking an internship with Disney when it was going to pay you one third of what you could really make or, you know, finishing your degree in political science. Like you've, you've done that over and over. Um, and I think that's extremely good advice and a lesson to be learned from this episode is that because students think that success is a straight line and that's not the reality. So what advice you have for the audience when it comes to that topic? 
Yeah, the biggest advice that I give when people come to me, when, when young college kids or people that are recently in the workforce come to me, I don't know what step to take. I don't just make a step, right? Two steps, uh, one or I guess one step back, two steps forward. The important thing there is the number of steps. Just keep stepping, right? Step into that next adventure and learn and be really observant about what you like and what you don't like. And know that wherever you are now is probably not where you're going to be five years from now in today's industry um, of, of really no matter what it is, right? Um, I mean, if you're at a job for five years now, you're, you're kind of like the seasoned veteran, right? Um, and, and so I think that's the important thing is don't be scared to take a step in a direction because part of it is like you, you go through your fear setting exercises, right? Um, you and I both love yeah. Tim Ferriss and, and when you think about setting those fears of what's the worst that I could, that could happen if I go and make this move, it's usually not as bad as you think. And I went through that exercise when I started this company. I'm like, all right, worst case scenario, my business collapses, my girlfriend breaks up with me because I'm a broke loser. You know, what's the worst and uh, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? Okay, worst thing that possibly happens is I move back into Orlando and I beg my parents to let me come live with them for a little bit. And guess what? I probably go get a job at Disney. Yeah. Like that's worst case scenario is I'm back where I started. Yeah. And that's not the end of the world. But you look at the best case scenario and it so much outweighs that. Right. Um, and, and so I, I think I went through that exercise for sure. But, but part of it too, I think is, is understanding when you take those steps, you're learning and really self-aware as to what matters to you and what's important to you. Right. So had I never taken the step to start Disney young professionals, I would have never known that I liked the gray. I liked creating. I would have never known that. Um, but because I took that step and took that risk, I learned it. And then when I learned I like that, I'm like, okay, how do I do more of that? And then I started this company. I'm like, I don't know if it's going to work, right? Um, but I know I like gray spaces. And now in starting this company, I found 10 other things that I like doing too, right? And, and you take those steps and like we, we created an app company earlier this year. And I realized I wasn't super passionate about it. So we folded it. And it's, I think it's still a great idea if anybody wants to have it um, and start it. Happy to help, right? But I realized it wasn't for me. But I took that step. And I learned, okay, that's not what I like to do. And that's just as important as figuring yeah. out what you do like. So David, where do you see yourself five years from now? Um, I'm probably still going to be in Chicago. Don't know for sure. Haven't bought a place yet because I still, uh, still don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I will, I imagine having a bunch more employees at engagement. So um, this year we probably employed about 10 people um, in different parts of the country. Um, but I see us getting a lot bigger and figuring out how to scale our expertise, right? So right now we're, our, our revenue stream is based on one-on-one -on -one consulting. So as I think about it getting bigger, it's how do we scale that expertise and how do we put it out digitally? Um, so I think I'll be spending a lot of time doing that in the next five years. Um, but yeah, we do different work on, on the nonprofit sides and we're all over the place, but I think five years from now, I'm still in the sports space helping companies think about customer experience. That's fantastic. So David, where can uh, the audience find you? Wow, that's a great question. I should have looked up my uh, social handles before this. We can put them on the show notes. We'll put, so. them, we'll put them in the show notes. But yeah. You can find me on uh, Instagram at david.malay um, or Twitter. I think it's david.malay. I'll, pretty, find, out. I'll pretty, find out. Pretty yeah. safe bet that those yeah. are the two places you can find me where I'm, I'm most active. 
Excellent. And so this is the last question I always finish with. So we've been talking now for about 30 minutes. And you know how students are. And you know how we are, right? We're probably driving or doing two things at once while listening to this podcast. But if there's one thing you would want the audience to take away from this episode, one thing, you can't have three, you can't have five, one thing, what would you want that one thing to be? I think the one thing that I would have people take away is to not be scared of taking a misstep and to just continually keep stepping and be okay with making the mistake as long as you knew, know where it goes wrong, right? Taking action is by far the most important thing. Doesn't matter if it's right or wrong, right? You'll learn from it. And eventually when you take action over and over again, you subconsciously will learn what those patterns are as to what's gonna set you up for success. So I, I think that's probably the most important thing is don't psych yourself out and overthink the situation and pros and cons list two pages long and I took two days to make that decision. Just make the decision and go. And, and you figure it out and you'll learn from it and you'll move on to the next thing. And I think the big, I mean, starting this company has really taught me that in so many different ways where it's, at, again, at Disney, we overthought everything yeah. and everything had to be perfect and 1,000 people had to sign off on it. And now that I've got my own thing, it's like, let's just go do it. If we want to paint that wall, let's just go paint it. If we don't like it, we'll paint it a different color. Yeah. And, <laughs> and we don't have to have 100 people sign off on it. It doesn't have to be the exact right color. So as I think for anybody listening, it's just take the action. If you're thinking about it and you want to do it, don't weigh yourself down because you think it might be the wrong mistake or the wrong step. It's not the perfect job for you. Just take it. Go learn. And as long as you can learn and get that indirect um, that indirect compensation, and you know you're going to get that indirect compensation, go do it. Man, th that that's excellent. I am so excited for the audience. You know, just have heard this, your story, just your journey. Even now that you're pursuing your dream, your goals, and even working in such an industry that people all love, which is sports. Um, I'm I'm excited to see you continue to grow that uh, company. And, and David, honestly, thank you so much. Um, you have been awesome guest for this podcast. I really, really appreciate you. And I look forward to seeing everything that you do in the future. And for everybody else, guys, thank you for much. Thank you so much for listening and see you guys on the next podcast. If you've listened thus far to this episode of the podcast, you absolutely rock. But now I need your help. Please make sure you subscribe and leave me a review. Thank you so much and talk to you soon.